0: Dude, good afternoon. It's really good to be here. It's been it's been fun as a church. If you've been coming to Hillsborough Village, it's been kind of a fun first few weeks um, of the year, because I know if, if you were with us a couple of weeks ago, we went out into the village. Who was there for that? We went out into the village and like did church together. That was such a cool week, such a fun like stretching moment for us. And now, um, thank you guys for being here. Glad you're here. It's three o'clock. Um, big day today. I, there's some game happening. I, I think it's basketball, but anyway. Um, yeah, but it's so good to be here. I've, I've been thinking all week, like, Man, just like reading this passage, we're gonna be in the book of Mark tonight. If you've been with us at Ethos, we've been going through Mark. Um, and I've just been thinking, man, like, Lord, like just give me like some sort of like metaphor or something like how can I connect with the people and explain this passage, right? And honestly, the thing that came to my, to my mind was what's going on tonight? This, this moment, the Super Bowl, right? Like uh, whether you like sports or not, you're probably all uh, either really excited or painfully aware that there's a football game tonight that a lot of people are like really, really excited about, right? Um, as a culture in America, we love sports or some of us love sports and we really love football. And for whatever reason, we've we've kind of made this like one game. And I don't know why we called it the Super Bowl. I don't get, that's a weird name to call that. But anyway, I was thinking about that. You, that wasn't funny. I, I thought it was weird, but anyway. Um, but for whatever reason, we've made this like pinnacle, this huge moment um, to, to crown someone king, right? To, to make someone a champion. And you've got these players that have like, just spent their their sweat and their blood for all season long and they just like put it all on the line to make it to this moment. And I just like have felt the anticipation of the Super Bowl, right? Uh, Whether you like sports or not, you probably know about like deflate gate or deflated gate, I don't know what it's called, but there's this like conspiracy that the Patriots have deflated footballs in the previous game to win. And like, it's all over news, it's ridiculous, but for whatever reason, we really care about it. And I'm just thinking about like what it must be to be one of those players. Uh, You know, in the locker room right now, about to go out into the field and stretch, and I just see like families filtering into the stadium and they're taking pictures with their kids, and just so they can put it on Instagram real quick to show off to their friends, like, we're at the Super Bowl, it's so cool. And, you know, and like there's this moment where we're just anticipating the game to start. It's like we talked about it, we talked about it, we talked about it. At some point, the game's gonna start, right? And it, I think about the national anthem and that's where you get um, this got man or woman singing a beautiful rendition of the national anthem and no one's thinking about their country at all. Everyone's thinking about the game and you get these close-ups of the players and they're all just like, they had that look in their eye, like I'm going to destroy my opponent tonight, right? And like, they're all just like zoning in, thinking about when this game starts. After the national anthem, you got the coin tossed right decides to who gets the ball, and then the players finally take the field. And you look out into the audience, and you see all these flashes, because everyone's wanting to capture this moment. Like, here it comes, right? You see the kicker put the ball in the tee, takes a few steps back, goes, kicks it off. And I kind of feel like a collective exhale. Everyone's like, all right, the game started. All right, cool. You got to play four quarters like every other football game ever. So here we go. And it kind of just this moment where everything we've been waiting for, it finally kicks off and then we just watch and behold it. And that's kind of where we're at today in Mark. I feel like we've had like for the past few weeks, if you've been with us, we've heard that there was this man named John the Baptist who was like, prepare the way, someone is coming, like repent, turn from your sins, someone great is coming. And then we see Jesus and he steps on the scene and he's baptized and we hear this voice from heaven or we didn't hear it, but they heard it and it's recorded in Mark, right? There's this voice from heaven that says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And everyone's like, whoa, like something big. Like, what is going on? And we see Jesus and he goes away for like 40 days and is tempted and avoids and, uh, temptation like it, because of his love for the father, um, stays away and comes back from the wilderness. And he starts saying like, the kingdom of God is near. This is good news, follow me. And if you were with us last week, we heard how he went to grown men, disciples, who had a profession of being fishermen. And he says, drop your nets, follow me. He has the audacity to ask adults to leave everything they've ever known to follow him. And everyone's just like, what is going on? And I've just felt like this buildup for all for this moment that we're going to be at in Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 34. So if you have your Bibles, if you have one of ours, it'll be on page 699, I believe. Um, But turn with me to Mark chapter 1, um, verses 21 through 34. How are you guys doing? You guys with me? We here? Awesome. Um, go see Hawks or Patriots, I don't know. Um, all right, um, we're, we're gonna forget about football for a little bit and we just gonna talk about this awesome text. Um, if you're there, will you just say amen? Are you there? Amen. Mark 121, awesome. Um, read with me and then we'll pray and man, we'll dig into this awesome passage. Um, it says, they went to Capernaum and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, "'What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? "'Have you come to destroy us? "'I know who you are, the Holy One of God. "'Be quiet,' Jesus said sternly, "'come out of him.'" The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, "'What is this, a new teaching and with authority?' He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak, because they knew who he was. Um, would you just pray with me for a little bit? Um, God, I thank you, Father, for just the reality of this moment that like, people have gathered here. Um, like wherever you're at, like I don't know, people. some people are here and they don't even believe that you're real. And some people have been journeying with you for a long time. And God, like wherever we're at on the spectrum, I just thank you that we are all here in this moment. God, I ask, Father, would you humble my heart? Um, Father, would your words be spoken here this afternoon? Um, God, I pray that your gospel, the story, the good news of Jesus would penetrate hearts this afternoon. For those that don't know you, would you draw them to yourself while they might come to know you today? Um, and for those that do, would you encourage them and strengthen them as we seek to know you better and to live on mission? Jesus, I, I very simply ask that you would use this moment, um, this time together, and before we all go out. God, would you use this moment to glorify yourself, um, to point to yourself, to draw us closer to who you are? Um, we love you, Jesus. Amen. Um, So I kind of noticed like four movements or themes or whatever in this passage. The first thing being that the presence of Jesus will always bring about authority. Okay, so the presence of, if you take notes, this is like the time to like look down, start writing. But if you don't, (laughs) just stay looking at me and we're good. But the presence (laughs) of Jesus always has authority. Secondly, the presence of Jesus always has power. It always has power. It always has authority. It always has power. Thirdly, the presence of Jesus will never use power without purpose. It will never use power without purpose. And lastly, the presence of Jesus will always bring about healing. The presence of Jesus will always bring about healing. And so we've kind of heard like about Jesus and he's proclaiming like this kingdom's coming. And He's like telling people to like give up everything just to follow him. And now we're like, what is this guy about? Because whenever you hear about some kind of guy that's like trying to collect disciples and saying like there's a new kingdom coming, like he might be loco, like what's this guy about? And is he trying to overthrow the local government? Like what is the agenda of Jesus? Think about the people in this moment. This is a real story that really happened. What are they thinking? And this is kind of when we get to see like why Jesus is here, the purposes of Christ. Um, Read with me again in verses 21 and 22. It says, they went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teacher's of the law. And if you've been with us, you know that Galilee uh, is a place where like uh, fishing was like the thing to do. It was a pretty successful town. Um, there, there was like a lake there and apparently a lot of fish there and it was just a good place to be. Okay. So Capernaum was on the north shore of Galilee. It's in the middle of two trading ports. And so we're not going to get in, in depth on what Capernaum was all about, but it's a pretty successful town. Okay. I kind of think, think of Brentwood, uh, maybe not that wealthy, but you know, pretty, pretty good. Okay, it's, it's well off. All right. And these guys have now went into Capernaum, and they enter into the synagogue on the Sabbath, okay? Sabbath, think about kind of like Sundays for for Jews in this time. It was like a day of rest, a time to go and um, discuss the Bible or discuss scriptures, okay? And it says that they went into the synagogue, okay? So synagogue is a big fancy word, and when I say it, and I say, do you know what the synagogue is? All you are like, yeah, I know what a synagogue is. (laughs) No, I didn't either. So I looked it up this week. I figured out what it was, okay? It's an assembly hall, just a big fancy word. I don't know why we get big words to things like that, but it's basically just an assembly hall where people would gather to discuss scripture, okay? So Jesus walks into the synagogue on the Sabbath and begins to teach. And Mark points out something really specific here. He says that Jesus teaches with authority, not as the teachers of the law. And I wanna think about the teachers of the law. The teachers of the law in that time were like scribes, kind of like, you know, when you see like Dave or Larkin, them come up and teach the word, like think of them. Like, so when scribes, they were entrusted with the, their, what was that? <laughs> don't think of Dave and Larkin. Think of other good preachers, I guess. I don't know. they were both just juggling. <laughs> think of them as scribes, the ones that Jesus is like trying to shoo away. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, right. Um, so scribes were entrusted with the word of God. Okay. So Now, I want us to to understand kind of in our context what that's like. We gather here and we hear someone teach the word. But I also want us to see the weight that we're on scribes. Like, you know, every every time you come to the Ruby or the cannery um, or marathon, you'll hear someone get up and welcome you and say, if you want to grab a Bible, you know, grab one on the bar or on the table. And like we got Bibles everywhere, right? It's so available. Like this is not what it was like thousands of years ago. There was like no printing press. And so scripture was kind of hard to get to. Um, So when scribes were entrusted to interpret the law, this was a big deal. Like teachers of the law were very respected. You know, they would walk into a synagogue and everyone would stand up because they were revered as men of God, entrusted to teach the word of God, okay? And so it's significant that when Jesus, when Mark is talking about Christ, he points out that Jesus teaches with authority. Why is that significant? Teachers of the law were mere interpreters, like trying their best to discern at their best. They were just trying to discern what scripture meant. And so when you see, now I can use Dave and Larkin again, when you see Dave and Larkin or myself and we get up here and we teach the word, we don't come standing above the word, right? We spend the week praying to God, let God give us a word. We believe that this is the word of God. We are entrusted to tell the people about it, but we know that the word is the authority. We do not come and speak as authority over the word. We just hope to do the word justice, right? But what Mark points out about Jesus is that Jesus teaches with authority. And so what do we kind of collect there? What do we kind of take from that? He must be connected to something. We know that when he's baptized, we hear God the Father said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And so when the people hear Jesus speaking with authority over scripture, like something they'd never heard, it points that Jesus is connected to something greater. And I've been trying to think of like a story that could connect with this and The best thing I could think of was in high school, I was taking a class and I don't remember what class it was. I did not care about learning like in any regard. And, um, but I remember that my teacher, whatever class it was, we were talking about the law. And I loved, my dad is here. I loved to break the law when I was in high school. So I was very interested. I was like, as my teacher's teach, I'm like, oh, I need to know like the penalties to breaking laws. Like what's going on? Talking about authority. And so we're all talking about it. And I remember, you know, we're kind of halfway paying attention. And then my teacher says, oh, and like next class, we're going to have a police officer come and talk about his job and like what it means to be an officer. And my ears just perked up like, whoa, you know, there's a big difference in someone talking about the law and then like a police officer walking in because in a sense, like he is the law, right? He gets to make those decisions. And so I remember when the officer comes in, like everyone's sitting up and very attentive and like listening and asking questions. And just the way that he walked in, like the posture that he had in that moment was just like the badge. And I don't think he had a gun. It turned out he was like a school cop, but that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's official enough though. Um, but you know, just the way that he carried himself, the way that he spoke, it was just like very eye-opening. Man, this guy, Is something different, like he's the law. It's a big deal, right? And so that's kind of what I thought of with Jesus. It's like, man, when he walked in and he spoke with authority, he just kind of grabbed the attention of people. Like we've never heard someone talk about scripture this way. But what's even more significant is not that he just simply spoke with authority, it's that he spoke and then he acted with power. So let's keep reading. We're gonna go in verses uh, 23 through 26 if you wanna read with me. It says, just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. And so there's this incredible moment, but before we address it, I just wanna kind of talk about like evil spirit and demons and Satan. And when we hear that, that these kind of subjects, a lot of times we'll fall on one of two sides. One, we'll brush it off and ignore it and pretend we didn't just read evil spirits because we don't want to believe that that's a real thing. And so we'll just ignore it and move on with the sermon. I don't want us to do that, but I also don't want us to grab onto it and think, oh man, demons, what about angels? And like, oh, spiritual warfare, what the heck is going on? Like there's a whole lot of rabbits to chase with like spiritual warfare. Um, but for now, we're just going to kind of stay focused on like what Jesus does in this moment, Okay. So we know that an evil spirit is present in a man, that he comes into the synagogue, and that Jesus, by his power, sends out the demon. And I was trying to kind of think of this moment. It's like, this is kind of what separates like, someone who simply knows how to talk and someone who acts who backs up their words, right? And it's like, we all know like that one person who uh, knows everything about relationships, who's the best at basketball and uh, knows all about politics and knows how to vote and who to vote for, okay? And it's like, how to vote? We all should know how to vote, my bad, um, but who to vote for, okay, whatever. So whatever. We all know what it's like to be around a talker, right? That's why there's like this stigma, at least for me, like about a car salesman. I love car salesmen If you're akin to a a car salesman. They're great, but there's this kind of like air about them, right? Like they're going to come, I'm going to look at a car, they're going to come with like slick back hair, a big, huge smile, and they're going to sweet talk me for like 30 minutes about the great deal that the car is. It's the best investment that I could possibly make. And then I'm going to go into the office and all like the great things that they promised me are going to start getting a little muddy, right? Like, oh, forgot about this expense. Oh, forgot about this payment. Oh, well, when I said that, I really meant this. And it's like, oh man, I thought I was i to get like the car of my life and yet here I am still going to buy this, not getting the deal I thought I was going to get, right? Like there's this like stigma of like, man, you were just like sweet talking me, but you didn't really back it up, right? But isn't it true that we always remember people who really back up the words that they say? I remember when I was in Western Kentucky, I came from Kentucky and um, I was at a Bible study with my friend, uh, Justin Carrico, and he had been like meeting with me and, and one other friend and Um, We had had Bible study for weeks and weeks and weeks, and this wasn't like a a foreign concept. Bible studies were really common where I'm from, right? Like I live in the belt buckle of the Bible belt. Like, so um, I lived in a culture of Christianity. We surrounded ourselves with people that talked about Jesus, but most of the time we were, more con- we were more concerned with sort of like just how we conducted ourselves and how we appeared than where our hearts were. So it was like, you know, you meet in a Bible study and then you're like, I should really stop cussing or like chewing tobacco. I, we, we chew tobacco in West Virginia, Kentucky. Uh, anyway, <laughs> No no preference there. Anyway, so um, we would just talk about, like, what are some things that I could do to, like, you know, like, help me, like, appear to be a better person. But I remember there was this moment where we had been talking about the lofty standards of Jesus, and I watched Justin actually kind of walk the walk here. I remember he met with us, and he said, guys, I've got something to tell you, and I haven't really told you. I haven't really told anybody else, so just kind of, like, keep this to yourself. But um, I work at a bank. I've sort of been promised that I'll be the vice president. um, But, like... That's not what I'm here for. Like, God wants me to preach the gospel, so I'm gonna quit. I'm gonna get a part time job to support my family, uh, and I'm just gonna preach the gospel, and I truly don't know what's gonna happen. And I remember, like, I think I may have been like, I was a young guy, and I was in high school, maybe, and I was just like, whoa, this dude is like leaving his job, and he's married, and he's taking such a risk in this moment. But it was like that's all that made sense to, this, sense to this man. He had been reading about a man who asked you to follow, you follow him with all of your life and I watched a man live it out and I just remember the weightiness of that moment and I kind of see that moment here. Jesus had been speaking with authority. The people have been impressed. He's kind of disrupted a few people. People are starting to pay more attention. But in this moment, there's a man with a demon inside of him, an evil spirit that is controlling his life And Jesus has the power to literally cast that spirit out of the man. And it's like this moment where it's like, when I read it, I just wanna be like, yes, see proof. Jesus is who he says he is, like I told you so. But I feel like if we just reduce this moment of him casting out a demon to just Jesus showing off his power, we're, we're making it too small. There's something bigger happening. Jesus is not just showing his power, he's showing his purpose. Right When he is coming to advance his kingdom, what does it mean that Jesus is coming into your city, to your neighborhood, to advance his kingdom? What does that mean? I think about this man. He is literally out of control. He is in the house of God, ironically, right amongst people trying to learn about God, and he is out of control of his very own life. Evil is speaking on his behalf. There is an evil spirit. And Jesus comes in and disrupts Sunday routine and shows that God is just not like a spiritual police officer. I didn't just come to tell you strictly how to live. I came to literally use my power to free you of what is holding you. And this man is healed. Can you imagine what it would be to be this man in this moment? To have been so like hunkered down, controlled by something so evil, and you're not even free, and you're in church and you feel that enslaved. And Jesus says, I'm here. I'm real, I have power, and I want to free you. And he does it, and he has the power to do it. Isn't that awesome? Whoa, it's so cool. Um, Let's keep moving on. Let's go to verses 29 through 34. And the next thing we're gonna see here is that Jesus isn't just a man of power with purpose, but he's a man that his presence will bring about healing. It says, as soon as they left the synagogues, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. And I just think about what do we see here? Because in my mind we see something that's like pretty common sense here, right? We've got sick people, and we've got a man who heals sick people. And it's like, these like dots are going like, OK, OK. Oh, we should bring the sick to Jesus. It's like, I have sick, I know sick people. I myself am sick, I'm broken, I'm hurt, I need healing. Rumor has it, he heals them. I'll venture on over there, right? It's this is a great moment. Uh, as a kid, I grew up watching Oprah. <laughs> there was no good segue for Oprah. Uh, so, so, you know, wherever that keeps you, As a kid, my mom watched Oprah and like, it was like, you know, something that I really enjoyed doing too. Uh, but anyway, so I needed to go ahead. I, I knew that I couldn't casually introduce Oprah. So let's get the last out and then I'll go to my metaphor, you know? Um, so yes, Oprah. Um, I remember though, one of my favorite times to watch Oprah was when she would have these like surprise shows. Um, She would be um, talking to the audience about like this new product and it's so great and it's so convenient. And they'd all be like, oh man, oh my gosh, that is so great, Oprah, you're so right. And Oprah would be like, and you're all getting one. And the crowd's just like, Well, it's all women. I can't do what they did. They scream and they're really, really excited, right? And it's this crazy moment. Like Oprah has chosen to like give them all these things. And for the whole show, she's like giving away like cars and nifty blenders and cool blankets, like really cool neat accessories, right? And it's this amazing moment because people had really given up things of themselves to go and see Oprah. I'm sure they had made sacrifices to go and see Oprah. And yet they left with Oprah giving them great things. But like, it's this picture that points to something. When someone with great great abundance has compassion on someone with great need. It's great news for the people, right? Oftentimes on this, to go back to Oprah, um, oftentimes she would have like teachers and struggling families and people that were hurting. And she was like, I just want to, to bless them, right? And it's like, it's amazing when someone with great compassion, uh, or someone, uh, sorry, someone with great abundance has great compassion on people with need. It is great news for the people, And in this moment, we don't get a lot of detail here. Like we like to overcomplicate, like what was going on here? All we know is that people were sick and they come to Jesus and they leave healed. And in a culture like we lived in today where everything needs to be okay, and this scripture, what I see, are two things are required. You need to know you're sick and you need to go to the one that can heal you, that's it. Like that's all we're messing with with Jesus is to know we need healing and to go to the one that heals, right? But in today, that's kind of hard, isn't it? Like, if you're like me and you get on Instagram and you're gonna post a photo, you go to ViscoCam, cam and then you go to Afterlight and then you crop it and everything all just to go, that wasn't good enough, it never was. And then, you know, but when you finally come to that perfect Instagram, you're like posting it so that like your circle of friends can just affirm you and they like it and you're like all this preparation into just so my friends would double tap a screen, right? And if you're, like, tweeting, you're, like, crafting that perfect tweet, and you're, like, okay, that should be good. You tweet it out, and you're, like, that wasn't good enough. Delete it. And then you redo it, and you're, like, okay, that one was better. That's a keeper. And it gets two favorites, and you're, like, yes, you know, it's great. It went so well, right? But, like, isn't that, doesn't that kind of point out something in our culture? It's, like, everything has to be super presentable, right? Like, everything has to be, like, locked and loaded, ready to go before we even let people see it. Like, much less are we ever going to show people our brokenness, like, man, I'm really insecure here. Like, man, I went to my closet this morning and I pulled out this white shirt and I was like, that's going to look terrible. And then I was like, wait, why am I thinking about what I'm going to wear? I'm going to preach the gospel. Goodness gracious, how far am I from where I need to be, right? But it's like, that's kind of like a cultural thing. But we are dealing with a savior that only needs us to admit that we are broken and hurt and we don't have it all together. This morning, my friend Josh was not me, Josh, my actual friend, Josh. I'm not my own friend. Jesus, uh, Jesus. Josh was teaching at the cannery and um, he was teaching at the nine and 11. He did a great job. And I just, I mean, at the nine o'clock as he was teaching, I was kind of nervous about preaching here. And as he was preaching, I was like kind of critiquing him and thinking like, okay, I'm going to look for the awkward moments and the awkward pauses. And God just hit me like, dude, what are you doing? Like, I am so much bigger than this, like, than how good you can give a talk to people, like, you were talking about my gospel, like, you're talking about me, like, don't stress the small stuff, but like, there's this pressure, right, and I'm like, oh, God, you're just revealing, like, these broken parts of me, these really insecure parts of me, and I feel like all Jesus needs is for us to admit that we're broken, I think back to, man, the life that I've lived has been pretty wild, I never thought that I'd be here right now. This is pretty radical. Um, I just think back to like my high school days in college and man, I just like couldn't seem to get off of like addiction. Like whether it was to substances or alcohol or just chasing girls for all the wrong reasons. And I think about how broken I was. And man, half the reason I was broken was because I kept thinking I could do it. Like, okay, I'll just I'll do this differently. Like I'll I'll change my character. I'll make these habits and I'll be good enough. And I just had very few moments where I came before Jesus and was just like Jesus I got nothing, like real talk between you and me. I got nothing, right? And now I look back and I just, after times of like many, many just humble, like tear-filled prayers like to the Lord, I got nothing, help me, help me, help me. It's been three years since I've been under the influence of any substance at all. I never, guys, I never thought I'd say that. Like, seriously, I was like, I don't think I'll ever get to do that. And I don't like glorify that timeline. I just think about the many like broken nights of like God, truly, I have nothing, And I think about the community I've been surrounded by and the strength that he has given me to make it here. And then I think about this morning, I'm like, God, (laughs) I was just so worried about what I wore today and how I sounded. Oh my gosh. And it's like, of course, like we're still falling. We're still broken, but we just keep giving them the broken pieces. Like we keep bringing it to Jesus. I just feel like sometimes we can really complicate this thing, like living and doing church. It's like if my car is making a funny noise, I don't go to a mechanic and say, hey, listen, my car's making a funny noise. There's five things you need to do, right? One, two, three, why? Because I know nothing about cars. That's why I'm at a mechanic, right? Like I need him to help me. So I'm like, hey, my car's making a noise. It sounds really weird. Will you fix it? Like That's what we do with mechanics, right? Or if we're really sick and NyQuil or Theraflu won't fix it, we go to the doctor and we don't tell the doctor, hey, I know exactly how you should diagnose me right now. We go to the doctor and say, these are my symptoms. I can't fix it. That's why they pay you the big money, right? you help me. But with Jesus, we often like do it backwards. We're like, ah, oh, crap, I can't pray right now. I've been sinning so much. Like seriously, after what I did last night, it's going to be months before I pray to God again. And just like, Jesus, he's just got to be like, what? Like, no, no, you missed it. You went backwards. You tried to fix yourself and then come to the one that heals. Like, I don't, I need you to be not fixed so I can heal you. Right? Like that's what the Lord needs from his people. He needs people to acknowledge that they're broken, that they're hopeless, that they're helpless. And he's like, I'm here. He shows up in a synagogue and he's like, for real, I'm right here. Real talk, like I'm teaching Sunday school right now. And then a man with a demon comes in and I cast him out because I want to free you. And all the people bring their sick and bring their hurting and he heals them. It's like, that's what Jesus is about. And if we're going to leave with anything today, this afternoon, if we're going to leave with anything It's that God is very real. I pray you leave knowing God is real. But I don't just pray that you know that God is real. I pray you know that God is here right now. Like right now. And not only that God is here, but that he is powerful. But that he wants to use his power to free you, to heal you, whether you know him or not, wherever you're at. And so as we walk into this time of communion, I wanna point us back to uh, Mark 1, verse verse 27. It says, the people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority? He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. And after Jesus had done something so phenomenal, the people still questioned, what is this? (laughs) Seriously, what's going on, right? They had seen Jesus. They had experienced Jesus. They had seen his power. And they still had to sit and decide for themselves what's going on here, right? And that's kind of the moment I feel like we're at. And so as we go into communion, it's a great time to grab communion, to talk with friends, or to go back to the respond banner. I want, to, I want to give us a few questions to think about. Um, the first one is, do you believe in God? Like, do you know Jesus? Do you believe he's real? If you don't follow the Lord, I want to invite you, if you feel like God is like calling you to something deeper, if you want to follow Jesus, if you want to be healed by the only one that can heal you, I encourage you to stop by the respond banner. It's this big red banner, but really it's just there because we're going to have guys and girls back there that want to pray with you. Or if you came with friends and you want to talk about it and pray about it, talk with your friends at communion. But do you know him? And for those that do, that do know him, I want to give you guys two questions as you go to communion and talk with each other. First is, do you believe he's powerful? For real, like real talk? This is a safe place to be completely real. I doubted so much even this morning. It was just like, God, please help me, please help me. I don't feel you, help me, help me, help me. It's like, do you believe he's powerful? It's like, what do you need to bring before him? Like, what needs healing? What's broken? Like, we're not gonna play games here. Let's be real with the Lord. That's a safe place, the safest place to be real. What's broken? Do you believe? Do you need physical healing? Do you know someone that needs physical healing? Man, come by the respond banner or pray with your friends. We wanna pray for it, really. And secondly, I wanna point out In verse 32, uh, through verse 33 in Mark, it says, That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. There's this, like, common sense, like, no-duh moment where they know Jesus heals, so they bring those who they know are sick. And the second question that I want you to, to ask each other to really talk through, be real, is are you bringing your sick to the one that you know can heal them? Who do you know that's sick? Are we bringing them? Like, it's only common sense, right? I know someone who's broken. I know someone who's hurting. I know someone who needs healing. And I know the healer. Oh, like this all of a sudden became very elementary, very easy. How do I go about doing that? How do I bring him to the healer? Um, So let's talk about that, pray together. Um, Yeah, let's pray and then we'll, we'll go into communion.